ConnectCloud. Get connected, cyber safe is our mantra. From tailored managed security solutions to our next generation cloud platform, MetCloud will drive your organization forward and help it thrive. You can keep up to date with us in all things cybersecurity by following us on Twitter at MetCloud underscore com. We're also on LinkedIn and YouTube. You can find the links to our social media pages and blogs via our website, metcloud.com. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Vanguard Podcast, everyone. And my guest today is Alex Christodoulakis, who is the co-founder and CEO of Wealthyhood, which is the first DIY wealth building app for long-term investors. Wealthyhood aids long-term investors to build their wealth over time by intelligently investing their money how they want and for free. Alex attended Imperial College Business School, the London School of Economics, and the National Technical University of Athens, achieving three first-class grades. Alex has worked for Morgan Stanley, and he's also led product teams designing and implementing e-health and fintech products. Alex, welcome to the Vanguard podcast, and thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us, Paul. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Where Where are you speaking to us from today? I'm actually in Athens, in Athens, in Greece. Oh, fantastic. And is that where you're based, or do you split your time between the two countries? Or? Yeah, that's exactly the case. So I'm based in London. Let's put it that way. Yep. But I spend a lot of the time in uh, Greece uh, where we grow our team uh, locally. Great. So, so we're talking wealthyhood here, which we'll we'll go into a little bit uh, a little bit further. So you've got an office here in the UK, but also you've got staff in Greece as well. Yeah, exactly. So the HQ is uh, in the UK. You know, we are uh, regulated uh, in the UK, which is the primary market. But uh, yep. at some point, we decided to start hiring uh, engineers and uh, other staff in Greece. So yeah, we're based in both uh, cities now. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, well, we'll get into to where we are and 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 so forth a little bit later on. But l- let's have a let's have an Alex journey, shall we? Let's go all the way back to uh, to to back home and, and and growing up. And can you give us a bit of a rundown of you know where you've come from? Um, you know, talk us through the Imperial College Business School, London School of Economics, you know, all that kind of stuff, and 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 where you are today. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. So, uh, actually, yeah, I grew up uh, in Athens, as uh, you can imagine. Uh, my first degree, my background is in computer engineering. So, I spent five okay. years uh, studying in Athens, uh, electrical and computer uh, engineering. So, the plan was to have this technical background and then combine it with uh, something else. Uh, yep. I graduated, uh, and then next stop was uh, the London School of uh, Economics. So my family back at the time had a company uh, focusing on uh, healthcare information systems. So the plan was, okay, I have the computer engineering background. Let's do some health economics uh, to combine it and then uh, uh, get the family business and get it growing. So I went to London, uh, did my first uh, master's uh, there, uh, graduated in 2014, and then went back to Greece to follow the, the initial plan. The, the thing is that the initial plan wasn't actually well thought, at least from my side. And uh, mm-hmm. two years later, I find myself in the uh, uncomfortable situation where the family business doesn't necessarily fulfill my dreams and my vision and what I want to do uh, in my life. So I'm now in Athens and I'm thinking, okay, how can I escape? 
this loophole, I need to leave the country because if I stay there, I will have to stay in the same uh, family business. Uh, yep. So I go back to London again. Uh, I switch country. I change uh, industry and decide to do a second master's uh, and focus in the financial services uh, industry. So I do it at Imperial. Uh, it's investment and wealth management. And then I entirely uh, shift my whole uh, career uh, direction. I graduate from uh, Imperial. Quite pleasant uh, journey there. Uh, and joined the, this wonderful uh, world of uh, investment banking. I joined Morgan Stanley uh, on the trading floor. So essentially, it was a strategist there, which is a fancy uh, word for doing quant stuff in the, the trading floor. Uh, gotcha. Long story short, um, I soon find out that uh, the corporate environment is also not something I'm keen about. Uh, and I decided to start my own uh, company. Uh, I spent almost less than a year and a half in Morgan Stanley. Uh, started for money part-time, uh, then resigned to go full-time, uh, and then start my entrepreneurial journey from there. Uh, it wasn't Wealthwood, actually. It was another company, but I can elaborate on that later. And then sure. uh, a year down the line, we pivot to what they call uh, Wealthwood. Fantastic. And... When you said you you went from the previous um you went from the previous business into into wealthy, what was the cattle or what was the pivot from going from family business to saying you know what I want to get into finance? Yeah, you know uh, it's it's a combination of different uh, things. So one thing has to do with the structure of the business. So family business or starting a career of your own. Uh, starting from scratch, starting from nothing was something that was really intriguing for me. So yep. when you inherit, let's say, uh, the family business, uh, everyone looks at you with, um, with the eyes, you know, uh, you don't deserve to be here. You don't deserve to be the boss. Uh, yeah. You should be just a, a normal employee. You can, of course, try to prove them wrong. You can uh, work harder and earn the respect. But you will always be the guy who was given everything without necessarily uh, deserving it. So Absolutely. I wanted to prove it from the beginning. I wanted to start from scratch, from nothing, from zero connections, from no uh, anything else. Uh, so th- this is the one reason that I wanted to leave the family business and start something, a career on my own. The second thing mm-hmm. had to do with what you mentioned, Scott. So the, the industry. Healthcare is okay. I mean, it's interesting. Obviously, it has huge effect in our lives. Uh, the impact is great. As we recently saw with COVID, it's really important. But yeah. it's a slow-moving uh, industry, especially in the tech sector of healthcare, especially when you compare it to financial services. Uh, I was always into uh, investments, into stocks, into different kinds of uh, trading. I did that on my own time as a hobby. And then I realized, okay, what if I could do that as a full-time job? What if I could uh, launch a career in financial services? And then it all uh, started. So you you followed your passion and dream as opposed to following what what people expected. Uh, That's exactly exactly the case. So uh, it wasn't a popular decision to leave your established family business with a very constant uh, and very actually decent uh, stream of uh, income and start from scratch to do what you envision. But, uh, yeah, I did that, and I'm very tired for doing that for now. It takes a lot of courage, Alex. It really does. I mean, 
you know, uh, to a lesser extent, I I left my family business in Australia in, in 1998 to come over to England to play cricket. Um, and, you know, so I had very, very little income compared to what I had yeah. leaving the family business. Um, you know, consequently, while I was away, I wanted to stay here. My dad sold the business and, and, and you know, that's what happened. But um, it's it takes, you know, I, I can resonate with it is what I'm trying to say. I, and and to have done that and to have achieved what you've achieved and, and you know, going into the next part of your journey, I I can resonate and I can understand the, the complexity, trying to prove yourself to the staff, um, you know, following your dream. Is it really your dream to follow the family business? To, to be honest, it's probably an inherited dream because exactly. you want to you want to be like your parents. You want to emulate what your parents have achieved. But really, is it in there? Is it in your belly? Does it give you the fire in your belly? In my case, no, it didn't. It really didn't. And I did it for ten years and and decided to do something else. So it, it really resonates with me. So so that that leap of faith, um, you know, it's it's a four hour flight away from Athens, which you know um, is the same as being a twenty two hour flight away from Australia. You've you've <laughs> left the, the the confines and the comfort of um, and the protection of your family. Um, you know, you you've come over here to make it for yourself. Tell us the next step. You've come over here and thought, I want to fulfil this dream in. The investment or the the financial industry, um, you became a trader at Morgan Stanley. Was was there a specific role within the finance sector you thought that's exactly what I want to do? And what was the catalyst to that? Yeah, yeah. So the immediate step was to do the second masters because uh, at this yeah. stage I knew I couldn't launch the position I wanted to without having a formal education or at least something yeah. that could prove uh, that. Uh, going to your question, yes, there was. So actually, my dream, let's say, when I uh, started uh, into financial services, was to launch my own uh, hedge fund at some point. So right. the first normal step or expected step would be to join a trading for an investment bank. Uh, get the experience yeah. there, and then whenever you're ready, you have the experience, you have some track record, whenever you feel confident, then uh, go and start uh, your own thing. I didn't do that. Yeah. I did something entirely different, not entirely, but very different. But the initial uh, dream role is with that way was launch my own hedge fund. Got it. And and was there ever a part after you finished that masters um, to say you you obviously had to you had to get your experience in Morgan Stanley? That was great. You said you only did that for um, what was it, a year and a half or, or yeah, it was less than half. two years. What was what was the next step after Morgan Stanley? You obviously learned a hell of a lot in the eighteen months that you were there, but what was the next step? What was the light bulb moment? Because um, I'm assuming, because uh, you said that there was another business prior to Wealthyhood. Yeah. What was that business? Um, and and what was the what was the what was the light bulb moment for that? Yeah. So that's a good question. Um, it wasn't the next step. So from the moment I joined, I, I was actually six months. Uh, down uh, in Morgan Stanley uh, and it felt from the beginning that this environment wasn't necessarily the ideal uh, I expected so it wasn't as I dreamt of it uh, it wasn't yeah. what I wanted to do 10 years down the line so I knew from the beginning uh, I needed yeah. help, I could stay and uh, gain the experience but I knew from the very beginning that this goes, wasn't going to last for uh, a long time um, yep. So, yeah, uh, it was about a year uh, after I joined that uh, I started having 
very extensive thoughts about what should I do. And then I recalled a discussion I had with one of my professors back at uh, Imperial. Uh, again, remember, my dream was to how can I launch my own hedge fund. So I was uh, asking him, what will differentiate someone uh, who starts a new hedge fund now? What could set him apart from the competition? Because there is huge competition out there. And then he mentioned one thing. Uh, we're walking down in uh, New, York, uh, New York City uh, after a visit in an exchange. And he said, it's not necessarily what strategies you deploy, but it has to do with how you distribute your services to your clients. And then this was mm-hmm. the aha moment. And this was my yep. first, uh, let's say, startup uh, idea. So the idea was to create a platform where we would democratize access to all these private investments. So, you know, currently headphones are only available to the ultra high net worth, uh, the very sophisticated or professional uh, investors. So uh, the idea back at the time was what if every guy, the guy the next door could get access to this specific asset class, to this privileged uh, asset class. So uh, together with uh, my co-founder, Costas, uh, uh, we decided to create a platform that would take these private uh, assets, these private funds, would tokenize them, so we'll put them on the blockchain, we would create small fractions so that everyone will be able to invest from 100 pounds and not 100,000 pounds. So gotcha. it was actually democratizing access to all these super sophisticated and privileged uh, investments. So uh, you 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 had that you had that moment in 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 New York, and you thought, and, and when was this, Alex? Where what what year was this? Uh, this was two thousand uh, early two thousand eighteen uh, when I was still doing my masters uh, at Imperial. Oh wow! So walking down that walking down, I'm assuming Wall Street or somewhere down down that <laughs> yeah. way in, in New York, and all of a sudden you had that moment. So let let's talk about wealthyhood right now. This is this is the platform that you you're working on right now. You've got offices in Greece and in in, in London with with uh, the team the team distributed in both locations. Tell us about wealthyhood and 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 you know the 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 elevator pitch of the product itself. Yeah, absolutely. I'll start from the from a small story on how we pivoted from the previous sure. uh, company to what could absolutely. be very relevant. So, yep. as I told you, we the initial plan was to uh, democratize access to these alternative investments. So we spent a few months, uh, we built the platform, and then it's time for us to start having our first uh, users. So I'm trying to pitch private investors, retail investors, my friends, everywhere else. Uh, yep. on why they should include 20% of their portfolio. They should include uh, hedge funds for 20% of their uh, portfolio. Everything goes, okay, that's fine. Uh, makes sense. Market neutral investments, you know, not correlated with uh, the mainstream markets and all that stuff. And then there was a common question. Alex, what do I do with the rest 80% of my money? So, okay, let's say I put 20% of your alternatives. What do I, do I do with the rest? And I thought, okay, because I was coming from the financial services and I thought, this is should be commoditized. I mean, everybody should know what to do with uh, their yeah, money. Yeah. It's very easy. It's very simple. Just create a diversified portfolio and invest in it for the long term. And there was what? And suddenly, I start getting into calls with people so that I can give them some tips and advices uh, on how to structure the rest of their portfolio so that they could invest twenty percent in our platform. You know, the one with the alternatives. Uh, yep. <laughs> 
And this starts to become huge and people just care about the portfolio construction part. And then we decide with Costas, okay, let's throw a portfolio construction tool out there so that people will be able to create a portfolio and then still invest in our platform for the alternatives. We put this uh, tool out there. Uh, it goes huge. Everyone wants to use the tool. Nobody wants to invest in the alternatives. They don't understand it. They just want the mainstream market. They just want to create a balanced portfolio and invest in it for the long term. Then in hindsight, we realized that we were asking people to uh, sprint and they couldn't even crawl in the financial uh, gotcha. market. So we entirely pivot and we decide, okay, let's create the investing app that we take each of our friends out there, our family, our friends who have no idea about to do, who are not professionals, who lose money day trading the markets. Let's take yep. them by hand and guide them on how to create personalized portfolios and show them what's the way to start building wealth over time. So create the portfolio and invest consistently investing in it month over month on a wealth building uh, strategy. Gotcha. So basically taking those day traders and showing them that long-term is a better option financially, and they'll make a lot more money in the long-term with the right investments. Absolutely. So because you know what? Yeah. Day trading is, if you're not a professional, day trading yeah. is gambling. There is a stat that says 80% of beginner day traders will lose their money in the first year. And this is a huge yeah. stat. And, and it's, yeah. I mean, it's scary. Uh, and we take, as you said, we take the beginner investor, which is 99% of people out there, actually, who are uh, considered beginner investors. And we try to show them that there's another way. You don't need a huge capital to start investing. It's not only for the ultra wealthy. You just need to have some basic principles. You, have, you need to have a well-balanced uh, portfolio and be consistent over time with it and invest for the long term, of course. So, so that being the case, how, how does that work on your platform then? So um, uh, do you have a team of analysts that are looking at uh, the stock of the month, the stock of the year, the stock of the decade, uh, proposing that to your, to your app users yeah. or your, your clients yeah. um, and, and having like a, a, a ready, you know, uh, a, a short, well, when I say a, a short, like a, a low, medium to high risk category or a long, short, medium term risk category, that kind of thing. Uh, this could be the case, but these mm -hmm. will have some issues uh, scaling. Uh, right. What we are doing is that we build all this knowledge in some quantitative uh, models. So yep. whatever you describe, we put it in algos and maths so that it can be automatically generated. So, and we try to simply oversimplify it for uh, the beginner uh, investor. So whenever you join the app, you just have a few simple questions. Uh, which asset class gotcha. do you want to invest in? Uh, do you want a global or uh, US portfolio, for example, your geography? Do you want to focus mm -hmm. in any specific uh, sectors? Because you know, every investor is different and their portfolio should match their individual uh, preferences. After that, uh, we run our models and we showcase an optimized uh, portfolio template for this individual user. So we have more than about 2 million uh, separate personalized portfolio templates. So every user ends up with the one that meets their individual uh, preferences. And it's well balanced and very uh, well uh, positioned. So up to this point, it's us giving you the portfolio template that matches your uh, individual preferences. But from gotcha. then on, and because we want to keep the engagement 
uh, alive, uh, we give it to the user. And it's up to them to decide whether they want to go with it or make any changes. So the whole experience is do it yourself, but we try to put all this guidance that's missing from today's uh, markets. <clears throat> so you do have your portfolio, you can make changes, you can add or remove assets, you can increase or decrease the weightings in different um, assets. Um, mm -hmm. But at every point, we try to guide you with insights and feedback. So you, if you do one change, we'll tell you, okay, this now just made your portfolio a bit riskier, but you have the potential for a bit higher uh, rewards. So gotcha. at some point through this interactive process, the beginner investor now ends up with a well-diversified portfolio that is the outcome of their own, uh, let's say, personal growing in uh, the markets. And then we try to create this systematic in systematic investing mentality. So for me, what you invest in is equally important to how you invest in it. And by how, I mean putting a specific sum of money every month and buying the same portfolio, what someone would call dollar cost averaging or pound cost uh, averaging. So after you yeah. have your portfolio, yeah. we try to incentivize you to uh, onboard in this uh, process. Every month, top of your portfolio with a specific amount, stick with it for the long term, and just start building your wealth. Makes complete sense. And I'm assuming this is all done through formulas and AI to understand each and every individual investor um, to put those templates forward to them. I I'm assuming it's done through automation and formulas and AI as opposed to uh, manual analysts looking at every uh, Exactly, every exactly. Everything yeah. is uh, quantitatively put into algorithms. Uh, that generate yep. the fully personalized portfolio templates. If data had a sound, it could be this. The sound of important and sensitive information leaking out of your business. MedCloud. Get connected, cyber safe. So what innovation has this brought to the marketplace? What did you see in the marketplace that screamed out that we needed or, or, or that, you know, the, the world needed wealthy, uh, wealthy um, as opposed to what else that was out there in the marketplace? Yeah, that's a very good question. So when we started, the let's say the investing marketplace for millennials and Gen Z was very fragmented. So there were mainly mm. two extremes. The one extreme was the trading apps, you know, guys like Free Trade, eToro, Trading 2 yeah. and 2, whatever. Uh, and yeah. these guys just wanted their users to actively trade the markets. As I mentioned before, the stat for actively trading the markets is 80% of us will lose our money in the first year. Yeah. And is, this is yeah. very, very bad. And the experience is also not very accommodating for uh, the beginner investor. You open uh, the app after you complete the uh, very hard verification process and you're left with thousands of different stocks and other complex instruments with no idea on how to proceed. So if I open one trading app and I gave it to you, if you're not a, a professional investor, you have no idea which stocks to pick, how much to Absolutely. invest in it, 
invest it all now, wait for it, what to do, you are lost. And being lost is one of the main reasons uh, our generation doesn't invest their money and doesn't try to grow their wealth. So this was one side of the market, the trading apps. The other extreme of the market is what we call robot advisors, which took the traditional mutual fund, let's say, actively managed uh, service and transformed it to uh, an app. The problem with that is they transformed the service. They didn't improve the experience. So whenever you open a robot advisor, you typically have five different uh, portfolios and you have to select one, one of the five based on your risk profile. There is no personalization. There is no nothing, no control, nothing that makes it uh, personal to to you. So you end up with the same portfolio that thousands of different users will end up uh, with. And apart from that, the fees remain high. So if you pick a robot advisor, you are charged about 1% per annum on monthly, on, uh, sorry, on management uh, fees. And 1% may sound small, but if you're in your 20s and 30s investing for your uh, retirement in 30 years, this translates to one third of your money ending up yep. to a robo-advisor instead of your pocket, which is huge. Wow. So uh, long story short, because I deviated a bit in the discussion, uh, trading apps on the one extreme, they want you to gamble robo-advisors from the other extreme, they take your money and don't offer you the experience to invest in something which is personalized and they charge a lot. Yep. Right? There was yep. missing something that would be very accommodating for the beginner investor, something that is engaging, which is DIY, and something that also takes you by hand and guides you to the uh, to the bumpy world, let's say, of the financial uh, market. So we decided to build up and make it very, very easy for uh, individuals to start investing. That makes perfect sense. So w- w- would it be fair to say that you know, one of the one of the drivers for you, and, and and I guess the company mission is to is to bring a sustained long term investment to everyone that has a, a smartphone. Exactly, that's exactly the point, Scott. So, as right. I want to put it, is that about nine or eight years ago, trading apps came to democratize investing mm-hmm. by giving people access to stocks. Giving people yeah. access to stocks is like giving them access to a weapon without knowing how to use it. How do you? We now want yeah. to democratize actual investing by giving them access to the principles and the investing mentality that they need to grow their wealth. No trade, just start yeah. growing their wealth. It, it's it's interesting, Alex, because one of the things I wanted to ask you is, you know, we've gone through probably two of the worst years that certainly I have in my life um, from a global perspective uh, with with the COVID pandemic. Um, but one of the things that I've personally um, started to speak about now, and maybe this is an age thing now that I've just turned 50, but, um, you know, conversations with friends and, and so forth revolves now around career, retirement, um, pensions. Uh, what are we doing financially to set ourselves up for when we retire? Because I guess it's closer to when we started work, right? It's only around the corner. Um, and I think one of the things that we've done as uh, people working through the pandemic is we've had more I want to say ready cash to invest. You know, we haven't been out there going out every weekend or doing this or doing that because we couldn't, we weren't allowed to. So we had more money to invest and and, and look at our future. Would you say that's a fair statement globally? Would you say that there's been more of an interest or an upturn in in looking at longer term investments for, for ourselves now because of the pandemic? Has the pandemic 
pushed people to start looking at their futures financially a lot more now? Uh, to, to be honest, I would slightly disagree with that okay. uh, in, in the following, that people, as you mentioned, were stuck at home with excess yep. cash during the pandemic. Uh, mm-hmm. The problem is that they are missing all the fun. They cannot go out. They cannot go partying or whatever. And they want to get relief from the adrenaline that they could get from the trade from trading uh, the stock market. So people, yes, started trying to do something with their money, but there was a huge majority that went to day trading again to increase their adrenaline and cover okay. from the okay. um, missed partying. Uh, compared to looking for a long-term investment. And you can spot uh, a few um, cases, like do you remember uh, GameStop, obviously, meme stock uh, trading, things were exploding mm-hmm. overnight. It was yep. a boom. Everything was going up. It was active Reddit traders uh, everywhere trying to uh, fuel the next uh, overnight success. So people were very active, but I think they had a shorter-term horizon. I think that now and from since the beginning of uh, uh, 2022, uh, of course, with the war in, the U- in Ukraine, uh, with uh, inflation rising, with uh, central banks banks hiking uh, the rates, uh, now people are trying to move towards a longer term um, investing horizon, and that's because people who were trading now see that trading doesn't always go up, stocks don't always go up there is this risk element and you have to balance your risk as well as your uh, return. So I think it's a more recent trend where people start to look for uh, longer term uh, investing compared to what they did uh, during the exact uh, pandemic uh, and the lockdowns. Uh, That's my view. Uh, I think at least people in their 20s and 30s were facing this um, kind of things, but uh, I think now it's shifting. Um, and, and my final my final question around the world of investing and 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 and, and so forth is, um, do you see more people now trying to take control um, of their own wealth creation for for retirement or longer term um, than putting it all into their you know saying okay instead of the obligatory X percent that I need to put into my pension I'm going to do the obligatory X percent and the rest of it you know instead of putting 10%, 12%, 15% into my pension now. I'm going to do the the you know the government preferred number and put the rest into my own investment portfolio. Would that do you think that's the way the world's going now or do you think people are still dependent very much on those on those pension products? No, 100% yes. Uh, it, it's exactly what you mentioned. People take their uh, financial well-being in their uh, hands now. So yeah. this is not only in the UK, it's in a pan-European uh, level. There are countries that offer uh, state-provided uh, pensions. This is not su- sustainable for uh, the long term. People start to realize that. Um, they need to take action and they start educating themselves and they start uh, taking action. So I think there is a shift. There is a shift more to DIY investing, less uh, giving your money to someone else to manage or the traditional uh, pension uh, schemes. Uh, so we'll start seeing that. And until 2030, uh, the shift will be complete, I think. But there is a stat also that says by 2030, 
millennials will control over, over uh, $20 trillion in assets globally. And these guys don't necessarily trust traditional institutions. They trust yep. more themselves, especially if they're guided by uh, more accommodative apps, not necessarily us, but our other apps that may come out. Wow. Wow. So, and that, that's fantastic. Really good overview. I loved hearing about that. I loved hearing about, you know, which way the investments, uh, you know, the investment world's going and, and, and how that is. Because I guess, uh, again, as I stress, as you do get older, you start to really look at those longer term, um, you know, plans of, of how you're going to fund your retirement. And I hope I have a very long retirement and I, <laughs> I hope I can, I hope I can uh, fund it accordingly. Um, it's not cheap to go back to Australia when you want to. Um, <laughs> that, that was really good, Alex. I, I really enjoyed that. I'm just going to go back to a generic question um, because, you know, you've had the, fa- you've been involved in the family business. You've got a partner, uh, Costas, uh, and, 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 you know, you've, you've had many, many, tutors and 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 the like through through the universities and 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 schools that you've gone to do you have or have you had and do you still have mentors that you look up to speak to guide you help you um as you you know try and navigate your course in in the world of being an entrepreneur uh, that's a good point so uh, i would say that uh, through my whole life i had mentors uh yep. different kind of mentors uh yep. the first mentor i recall was a teacher i had in uh, high school uh, a math teacher he was the first person who actually made me think uh things in a different uh, way not what you need to study but how you understand math and uh, all the different stuff uh, out there uh, I can recall other mentors uh, during my academic years uh, at LSE, at Imperial, uh, and afterwards uh, in the professional career. Uh, I would say the most constant and persistent mentor out there was number one, my father, who was an entrepreneur uh, himself. So he had this gene. He uh, actually transferred this uh, gene to me, even if our roads didn't cross uh eventually in the family business uh yeah. he was a constant mentor uh to me and a constant paradigm for uh, what i'm trying to to do um and to slightly change a bit the question i would say not a mentor but a partner in crime is always your co-founder because yeah. you share experiences you may see things in a different uh way uh, it's the only one who can uh, understand you and feel you in the highs and the lows uh, of this yeah. journey because the lows are uh, more and more uh, painful. Uh, it's not a mentor, but we, at some point, we develop uh, a mutual and uh, bilateral uh, mentorship relationship. That's great. That's great. I was actually going to ask you how important is he um, in in your development of the business and and you know just keeping you sane and and, and on track. Uh, it's uh, it's exactly what you mentioned. Keeping me sane and I try <laughs> to keep him sane. Uh, Absolutely. Everything is fifty fifty. It's like marrying someone and trying to invest in him and for him to me. Uh, for the long term uh, is equally important. It's like you're trying to work with your two hands and one of them is missing. Uh, it, it, nothing would be, uh, I wouldn't be here if I didn't start the company with uh, Costas. Uh, probably he couldn't uh, be here if I wasn't there. 
yeah. it's the most important person you can have in your professional career if you're starting a startup uh, with a co-founder. I mean, I Absolutely. cannot describe it. If you haven't lived it, if you haven't had the experience of having a co-founder in the early stages of a startup, uh, you cannot understand. What's what's one thing genuine that the, that you love about a startup? You know, what is the one thing that 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 inspires you um, as a as a founder of a startup? And and, and you know, I, I guess you're still classed as a startup, even though you're of a course, yeah. And, what, what's uh, that one thing that really puts that fire in the belly for you? Look, it's fast, it's moving, and there is a handful of people who make a difference in other people's uh, lives. So yeah. uh, just a few of us create a product that's out there that's meaningful and that helps people improve their life with standards. Uh, and you can see a large part, part of your impact through a startup compared to a huge organization where you're just a small part of the chain. In startups, yeah. you do something, it's visible, it has impact, it improves the way people uh, see your product and they interact with your product. And, and, and I guess doing it as a team, doing it, you know, doing every job from making the tea to designing the strategy and the, and the structure of the business is, I, I guess, that's that thing that, that, that makes you get up in the, every morning. Uh, absolutely. So the yeah. team element is, is your family when uh, you build a startup. All the discussions we have, all the points, all the disagreements and the way, the productive way we try to overcome the disagreements uh, is what exactly makes uh, the difference. Is As we call it, it's like being in a mafia and you're an inner circle of something. You try to yeah. fight against the world and it's, it doesn't compare with anything. Sure. Tell me, you, you know, setting up the business and that, what was the, what was the hardest thing about starting up the business? Uh, everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I mean it. It's everything. Yeah. If you haven't set yeah. up a business from scratch, even the tiny steps are very hard in the beginning. How you incorporate, how you find lawyers, how you start defining your strategy, how you approach your first investors, everything yeah is is extremely uh, hard. Nothing uh, in your previous professional experience uh, can prepare you on how to deal with uh, such issues. The day-to-day -day, uh, as a startup founder is very, very different. Nothing can prepare you. And this is a great lesson I wish I knew uh, earlier. Uh, I hear people saying that, okay, uh, I'll stay here in my corporate life for five or 10 years, and then I'll have experience to start my own company. That's not the case because nothing yeah. can prepare you for the difficulties, and especially the mental uh, yeah. trouble you're going to get into when you start your own uh, company. Uh, yeah. Only doing it and doing it again, failing and just learning from your failures. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. The the final question I have before we get into our our final three, and I, I thank you for the time that you've spent with me uh, this afternoon. Um, a lot of people are a little bit nervous in the first time that they invest, uh, whether it's nervous to buy a stock, you know, in a company, uh, nervous about investing perhaps money they can't afford to lose, um, but they want to make money, whether it's short-term, long-term. You know, what's one piece of advice of someone that just wants to start investing, whether it's someone just out of school, whether it's someone that's always just put things in the bank and hopefully it's going to, you know, accumulate at 0.001%. Um, what, what, what is one thing for a first-time investor that you would, you would encourage them to know or learn? 
Uh, yeah, the, yeah, I'll try to pick one thing. One thing. Is, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's probably about seventeen. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. exactly. But uh, one thing is do it early, uh, because mathematically right. speaking, the earlier you start, you have more time to overcome any mistakes uh, you make in your uh, journey. Because if you make mistakes, uh, if you start very late, uh, every mistake will be probably fatal for your financial well-being. But if you do it early, one thing you can uh, learn, you can grow from your mistakes and improve. Uh, in the future and then next thing is that you allow this wonder of compounding to work in your uh, favor every yeah. single year after a specific point uh, works exponentially for you so do it early don't be afraid to uh, make mistakes you do you make mistakes in any case but yeah. learn from them and just uh, continue uh, in the future and of course don't invest money you cannot afford losing yeah uh but this shouldn't uh keep you away from uh trying it even with a small sum of money in the beginning so obviously even if you can if you can only afford to lose 100 pounds or whatever do it and see what you can do exactly yeah to lose excellent yeah great great advice there alex thank you so much that's fantastic we're going to get jump into the quick fire Quick fire three, I want you to, whatever the top of your mind, whatever comes first, that's what I want you to go with. And, and my first question in the quick fire three would be, what would you rather do, go back in the past or jump into the future and why? Uh, I'll go back to the past uh, to change a few things that made me waste a few years. <laughs> All right. So, so you don't waste don't waste years, um, you know, doing things that you potentially didn't want to do, or, or uh, yeah, or exactly. Certainly, you know, yeah. all these years build you, build your character and everything, so yeah. that's helpful. But yeah. if I could go to the past with the experience I currently have, I would definitely don't do the same mistakes again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, love that. That's really good. Really, really good. Uh, one of the things here is. Um, you know, we're talking about financial um, gains and everything like that. If I gave you a million dollars right now, what would you do with it? If sorry, can you can you repeat? If I gave you one million dollars right now, yeah, what would you do with it? Uh, okay, so it's the first thing that comes to mind, right? So I would put half yeah. percent in a diversified uh, portfolio, twenty uh, percent in the bank, thirty percent in other uh, projects. One of them will be a new startup. 30 in projects. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I like it. So half in portfolios. Yeah. 20% in the bank and 30% on projects that you can have enjoyment with. Exactly. Excellent. Love that. Love that. And from from a personal point of view, uh, the next five years, where do you want to be? Uh, grow wealthhood to the limits uh, as far as we can take it and try and actually uh, succeed in making people's life uh, easier, their investing life uh, easier and trying to make uh, a difference. So five years is quite a short period. So my uh, vision, let's say, is limited to improving wealthhood and growing through the company. Yeah. Excellent. And does that, in, does that mean get it to a certain level, sell it and going to something new or is it just... I want to take this for as far as I can go, and who knows after that? Uh, you know, the exit is always uh, in the mind of uh, the founders. Yep. Uh, if it comes, uh, I'll start something new from the beginning. If it doesn't, it will be because we need to grow it more, and we can. 
uh, grow it more. So just more time. Love that. That's fantastic. Alex, really enjoyed the time we've spent today um, learning about the future, knowing I, I love the pivot. I love the pivot. You know, mm-hmm. I, I went to school in Athens, didn't want to do this, so I thought I'd go to the UK and 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 do my do your do your masters and then go somewhere else and then yeah no that's not going to work I'm going to go <laughs> back and do so uh, you know what the one thing I want to tell I, I love telling people on the podcast is you know it's not necessarily a failure but it's okay to fail or it's all, all it's okay to change you know we all pivot go and find something that you enjoy go and find something that fills that belly with desire and and um, an achievement and go and do it because eventually you will get paid for something that you love to do. You will get paid well for something that you love to do and you do really well. Um, and I think you, you 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 inspire that with your story. So thank you so much for sharing it with me today. Thank you very much for uh, having me, Scott. I really enjoyed uh, the discussion and I couldn't agree more with your uh, last statement about, about the importance of uh, failing. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's a good one. I think everyone needs to learn it and kids need to learn it from school at an early age because, you know, if they don't, they're going to get whacked around and, and hopefully the education systems around the world can, can tell kids that it's okay to fail because eventually they will find what they want to do and they'll do it well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good on you. Uh, Alex, thank you so much again. Enjoy your time in Athens. Um, good luck with with the business and 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 the growth. And 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 I, for one, are certainly going to go and look at it and um, and and uh, and and start um, looking at my long term investment. Because quite frankly, <laughs> at fifty, I've got to start doing something now. So thank you so much for your time, and I look forward to uh, following the journey further. Thanks for having us, Scott. Thank you very much. Thanks, Alex. Really enjoyed the time. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye bye now. I really enjoyed chatting to Alex and learning about his story, having the opportunity to join the family business and realizing it wasn't his passion and to leave that security and come to London and enhance his knowledge is inspiring. Then to give up the job at Morgan Stanley to pursue his dream to provide tools that allow all to benefit from wealth creation via options never before provided takes some courage, but also vision and an endeavor to succeed. Wealth creation is something a lot of people talk about. They invest in and look to do it in our everyday lives. And Alex says that 80% of new day traders will lose their capital in the first year, which is a crazy statistic. So being able to offer a longer term, structured and value-based product and process to help all types of investors is such an interesting concept and surely a recipe to success. One of the things Alex said, and a lesson for all I think, is when starting out in your investment journey, Do it early, learn and grow from your mistakes as there will be some, don't invest what you can't afford to lose and experience the wonder of compounding is so good and for everyone to take on board. I wish Alex and the Wealthy Hood team all the very best now and in the future. Thanks again for listening everyone and remember, take care, stay safe and keep on innovating.